think about a pioneer, I think about people that are so committed to a vision and they're so committed to some cause that they're willing to do whatever it takes to carry it out. Literally, whatever it takes. I find this a lot of times. If you find yourself in your relationship with Jesus right now and you feel like you don't have a purpose, it's probably because you don't have a cause. It's probably because you don't have something that you're fighting towards, something that you're fighting for. You know, when the English guys left England and they came over here to America, they had a cause. They were willing to die for the cause. They were willing to go and carve out new trails and discover new land, do things that had never been done before. And it wasn't because they were just trying to carve out a better life for themselves, although they were, but they were fighting for a cause. They were fighting for freedom. They were fighting for something greater than themselves. The actual definition of a pioneer is this, a, person's, a person who's the first to settle into a region to develop it for occupation, for use for others. So ultimately this, a pioneer, you pioneer something because you have the understanding that it is for somebody else and you may never see it. You may never see it. You know, we, we say this all the time, but ultimately at the end of the day, we want this church to be a place that one day when you're dead and gone, your kids are still in this place. And one day when we're gone and I'm not preaching anymore and Mike's not making awful jokes up here, that, <laughs> that your kids are the ones leading the way. But if we ever are going to get to that place, we have to pioneer something. And here's the catch that I think that a lot of us fall into many times. We believe we live in a small town, so we have a small mindset. Small town, small mindset. We don't believe that anything great could ever come out of this. You know, the Great Awakening that literally started revival through Jonathan Edwards all throughout America started in a town that was no less than about 2,500 people. And it literally affected all of the U.S., the truth is, I genuinely believe, regardless of where we're at in Crowley, population size, or anything like this, I believe that God has given us a cause, something to fight for. And, and I want to share something with you guys this morning. I don't know if you know this or not. There's an estimated about 15,000 people that live in just Crowley alone. Now, if you're looking at Acadia Parish, it's about 67 to 68,000 people. Now, watch this. I started counting all the different churches that are here um, in Crowley, just Crowley. So I don't know how many are in Acadia Parish, but just Crowley. There's about 25 churches um, in Crowley. And within those 25 churches, the average probably attendance of those churches in, is anywhere from about 20 to 45 people that are in those churches. Okay, so we started adding up all the numbers, and I came to something that was just starting and the startling fact was there's 15,000 people that live in Crowley alone, and every Sunday morning there's only about 2,000 people that go to church. So there's about 2,000 people in our community that maybe attend a church regularly, and maybe that are in some kind of um, hopefully you know, spiritual family where they're connected and they're growing in their relationship with Jesus. So that means there's about 13,000 people. People who are not living in a connected community and are not learning the ways of Jesus. So you know what this does to me? It, it, it makes me like want to fight for something. It, it makes me get married to this cause of, man, there's so many people. This is why we came here in the first place, because there's so many people in our city that really, honestly, yes, they've heard of God, but they've never experienced him. They've never encountered him. 
They don't know what it's like to have a vibrant marriage. They don't know what it's like to raise their children in the way that they, that they should. They don't know what it's like to be a part of a healthy spiritual family. They don't know what true joy and freedom and peace looks like. They're so caught in just doing the everyday today thing. You go to work, you, you wake up, you get your coffee, you do your thing, you please your boss, and then you come home, and then you do it all over again. So there's 13,000 people that potentially have maybe never heard the good news of Jesus and don't know what it looks like to be a part of a healthy spiritual family. So I want to ask you a question today. What is it that drives you? Because I don't know about you. For, for me, when I hear things like this, like I want to be a pioneer. I want to be somebody that is at the forefront of really a movement. And I, I genuinely believe if people can be, get married to a cause and they can believe that, hey, I can fight for something greater than myself, then great things start happening. So the thing that drives me is this. We, my vision over the next few years is to see, man, we have an opportunity to bring the gospel to every single person in Acadia Parish. What would it look like if we were able to in some way, shape, or form, this small church in Crowley, Louisiana, in some way, shape, or form, was able to bring the message of the gospel to all of Acadia Parish? What would it look like, and I said it last week, what would it look like if we were so effective in this community, in our city, by serving and loving people, that people would actually mourn if we left? What would it look like? And here's the truth. I want to call you to something greater this morning. Because here's what we're real good at, at, at as church people, and this is what people love about our church or they hate about our church. If you've been here long enough, um, you're going to quickly understand that we don't like people just sitting in a seat. <laughs> we don't. Because we believe that you have a greater call on your life than just to come on a Sunday morning and just sit in a chair and listen to some skinny white guy preach. We believe that you have a, a purpose and that God wants to call you to something greater. And here's the thing. The Christian life is so exciting when you're living out God's vision and purpose and cause. When you attach yourself to something that God is doing, great things begin to happen. So what's our cause? What are we fighting for? Our cause is, man, there's 13,000 people simply in our city that don't go to church. Just in our city. Like, we don't have to even go to the outskirts of that. There's 67,000 people in our parish. And here's the deal. I don't want to get to heaven one day. And there's all these people on Judgment Day that are looking at me and said, you were in Crowley and you knew about the good news of Jesus, and why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you say anything? Here's the truth. I wrote this down. I don't want to be the one that encounters the grace of Jesus for myself and then misses out on pioneering that grace to other people. So God's graced us with the, the best news in the world, which is the gospel. He saved us, he set us free, and we can live a free life. How selfish of us to just hold on to that. Just say, hey, I've heard the good news, and you know what? I'm good now. I want it to just affect my family and my wife and maybe my kids, and if it never touches anybody else, I'm okay with that. Ask yourself this question. Are you really okay with that? Are you okay with that? So I've got three points I want to make this morning. Number one, a pioneer has a whatever-it-takes mindset. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. The thing that I was reading some of the history about some of the settlers in, in America, and when they would load up these wagons, like one, they knew that they weren't coming back. 
Two, they knew that the journey was going to be incredibly difficult. Like, where we can get somewhere in, like, two hours now, it would take them, you know, two, three weeks to just travel in a horse and buggy. But they had this idea, they had this cause, they had this vision, and they were willing to do whatever it takes to live out that vision and that cause. So here's the question that I have for you today. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to advance the mission that God has given us? Which ultimately, here at Our Savior's Church, it's reaching people and building lives. Here's what I believe. Jesus didn't defeat death, hell, and the grave for us to just sit. He didn't. He didn't come back. He didn't reign victorious over sin so that we could just get comfortable in our churches. Here's the truth. If I, if I can do anything this morning, all I want to do is take a big wooden spoon and I just want to stir the pot. That's all I want to do. I want to ruffle some feathers this morning. So if I'm not as bubbly this morning as I usually am or as animated or I don't tell as many jokes, it's because I, I genuinely, like, I'm passionate about this. Because I want to see, I, I genuinely believe that God has something great for your life and you're going to miss it if you're not willing to do some things. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss out on the joyous, better life that God has for you if we just get comfortable See, as Christ followers, we're called to take ground. We may live in a small town, but we don't have to succumb to a small town mindset. Like, what if God, just what if, what if God brought us here as a church, rather than complain about the things that we don't like in this community, and get frustrated with the things that we don't like in this community, and get frustrated with all these things. What if God brought us here to be a pioneer to start change? Rather than complaining, we say, you know what, we'll take ground. We'll do something about it. We'll serve people. We'll love people. We'll bring the good news of the gospel to others. See, Ephesians 2.10 puts it this way, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Like, God has created us to do extraordinary things. And do you know how extraordinary things happen? By ordinary people just doing ordinary things consistently. Consistently. I mean, that's what, to be honest with you, I love about my dad. He's just done things over and over and over consistently. Consistently. So what is keeping you from the life that God is calling you to live? And here's the thing. I'll tell you what's holding many of you back. This is going to sting, but it's just the truth. I'll tell you what is holding many of you back from living the life that God is wanting you to live. The truth is you prefer the white tablecloth over the towel. Here's what I mean. You would prefer to sit down at a table, white tablecloth, and people serve you. And people come to you and, hey, what do you want? What do you need? What are you? But see, what Jesus has called us to come and do is he's called us to embrace the towel and, hey, I'll serve you. What do you need? What do you need? See, it even says in Mark 10, verse 43 through 45, it says, but among you, it will be different. Now watch this. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everything else. Like nobody really gets excited about that scripture right there, right? Verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
See, the only way to be a pioneer, the only way to have a whatever-it-takes mindset is to become a servant. And rather than sitting at the table and coming in here and say, Preacher, you better have a good message because I haven't eaten all week. It's a flip of the mindset of saying, listen, I'm here, and I'm not here to serve our Savior's church. I'm here to carry out the vision that God has given this church, which is to reach people and build lives. And at the end of the day, I want to see people in my community come to know Jesus. And that's why we serve. You know what? The only reason that I became a pastor, the only reason that I'm doing this today is not, hopefully it's not for acclaim. Hopefully it's not to make a name for myself and, you know, get a TV show. If that ever happens, please, God, somebody shoot me. Um, don't really, but uh, hopefully at the end of the day, it's to serve people and it's to love people so that through serving that people can come to know Jesus. Isn't it crazy when people that want to consistently argue with you and you just keep serving them and love them and they can't say anything back and they can't argue because you just keep loving them? That it like drives them crazy. It's like, why do you keep loving me? That's what we want to do in this city. We just want to keep serving. We want to keep loving because ultimately what it does is it pulls people in to experience God's grace. And here's the truth. Jesus was never too good to serve. He was always the first one in line to serve. So I want to call you to something today. Could it be that maybe the reason you don't feel purpose the reason that you don't feel satisfied in your relationship with Jesus is because right now your relationship with Jesus is all about you. And it's not about others. It's not about serving other people. You see, here's what I've learned. When I start serving other people, Jesus always works on me. He always does. I always grow in character. I always grow in things. There's always things that manifest that I don't like about myself, and God gives me an opportunity to work on them. There's always an attitude that's going to come out, but now it's an opportunity to work on that. Here's, here's what I find Christians are really good at. They create a lot of excuses as to why they can't serve or why they can't get involved. And they, they say really spiritual excuses, though. Like, well, you know, before I serve, I just I really need to pray about that. You don't pray about anything in your life ever. <laughs> ever. Like, the only time you ever pray is like, God, thank you for this food. And then all of a sudden, when, when we talk about serving the body of Christ, all of a sudden it becomes like, you know what, you know what, brother, I just need to, I need to pray about that. <laughs> what? Like, here's the truth. Like, some of us are more spiritual than Jesus. It's just the truth. We've become more spiritual than Jesus, or we end up saying things and we give excuses. Here's the truth. We don't need to pray about serving because Jesus was a servant. And if we're modeling our lives off of Jesus, then it's just obvious that we should follow what he does, right? It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, a pioneer has a whatever-it-takes mentality. I'll do whatever it takes. You know what I love about the Dream Team here is we've got people that are serving the kids and, and media and greeting and next steps. First impressions. And listen, I guarantee you, none of these people woke up one day and was like, you know what, I feel like my calling is to just open a door for somebody. I, I doubt somebody actually, you know, felt that way. But here's the thing. It's not about the door that you're opening 
or, or the child that you're serving or the button that you're clicking on the computer. At the end of the day, it's about being a part of the family. Because in that, it doesn't really matter what job you're doing. It doesn't matter where you're serving or, or you know, what button you're clicking or what department you're in. It's you saying, you know what, I want to be part of a greater vision and, and I want to attach myself to a cause. See, when you attach yourself to a place where God is already moving and God is going to grow you spiritually as well, it's just going to happen. Every time, before, I, before we started this church, it's, it, God like moved me in every position in church, except for kids. And I'm grateful that I never got there. <laughs> I was a youth pastor, I was a worship leader, I was a media director, I did first impressions, I did small groups, I did everything that you could possibly imagine. But at the end of the day, I knew that one day I wanted to be a pastor, but I knew that God was going to work on character before he could ever put me to the place that I really wanted to be. And so let me ask you a question again. Could it be that maybe... We don't feel satisfied in our walk with Jesus because we're not serving others. We're not serving others. We're not living out what God has called us to be. Point number two. A pioneer never abandons the vision regardless of the adversity. A pioneer never abandons the vision regardless of the adversity. Man, when you go out and you venture out and you do something new, you're always going to have somebody stand in your way. If I, if I could tell you all the obstacles our church has faced just to be in this building, you would. It, we have withstood a lot of adversity just to continue as a church many times. But the truth is God has always been with us. I was reading a story. How many of you guys know um, who Daniel Boone was? Anybody ever remember reading about him as a kid? Well, he was always known as a very, like, brave, bold kind of kid. And back in that day... Every seven and eight-year-old would carry around a rifle. You know, my seven-year-old, that dude carries around a BB gun. I'm like ducking, you know. But everybody would carry around a rifle. And so there's a story about him and a bunch of friends playing in the woods one day. And they're playing in the woods, and all of a sudden they hear this screeching roar. And they all knew what it was. They knew that it was a panther. The only thing that made a roar like that was a panther. And so there's this story of, of Daniel Boone. He grabs his rifle, and he looks at the other kids, and he says, Hey, listen, this is what I'm going to do. We know that the panther is over this way. I'm going to run towards the roar, and whenever I see it, I'm going to fire off a shot and kill it. And if I don't come back, come and help me. Now, if I was seven or eight years old, and I heard a roar, the first thing that I'm doing and you're doing is running home to mother, Right? <laughs> Like, you are booking it. So what he does is he grabs his rifle and he runs towards this roar as these other kids are watching him. And it says, boom, boom. He fires off two shots. And he comes back and he drags the panther up to the kids and he drops it. At like seven or eight years old. Could you imagine that as a seven or eight year old? Like, I don't care how old I was. I'd be like in my 40s. I'd be like, so one time when I was like seven, you know, I'd be telling everybody about that story. I would be famous for that story, right? And as I was reading this, there was something that kind of just catched and like sparked in me. Oftentimes, I think many of us, when there's an adversity, rather than running towards the roar to get past 
the adversity to know that there could be something better on the other side. We look at adversity and we say, nope, not that way. And we turn around and run back home. What if the discomfort that you feel, the nervousness that you feel of maybe jumping into something sometimes, what if God is calling you to run towards that? Because the only way that you're ever going to face your fears is to run towards that roar. And what if God would equip you and give you the things that you need to defeat that enemy or that giant that is standing in your path? And I think a lot of times, a lot of Christians, when they face adversity, rather than keep on going on, we turn around and we run back home. See, a pioneer never abandons the vision regardless of the adversity. 2 Corinthians 4.16, this is the message version, it says this. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us. Anybody ever feel like that? Like it just looks on the outside. The way that appearances are, it just looks like everything's doomed. Our marriage is over. Families, the, the job is done. Whatever it is. And then the verse continues. It often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. So, oftentimes, when things are falling apart on the outside, is an opportunity for God to begin to renew you on the inside. Every single trial and adversity that I've ever had in my life has always been an opportunity for God to do something internally. And I can say this, every single time that I have faced it and walked through it, I've always come out a better man. Always. I've always come out stronger in my relationship with Jesus. I've always come out stronger with my family or, or whatever it may be. Every time that I've cowered and run the other way, God keeps me stuck and he's still trying to teach me something. And then I have to turn around and go, all right, I'll go face it. <laughs> So I don't know where you're at in your life right now, but you may look at the circumstances of your life and you may say, it just seems like everything's falling apart. It seems like all the commitments that I made or the plans that I had or the desires that I had for my life is just not working. What if the only reason that everything seems like it's falling apart in your life is because it's an opportunity for God to work on you on the inside, for you to trust God? See, life may have dealt you some unfair cards, but if you have a cause, you'll stay on the trail. See, this is what drove the pioneers. They faced so much adversity, but they had a cause. Can I, can I just be br brutally honest with you as your pastor? There have been times I've wanted to quit. I'll just be honest with you. There's been times I've definitely wanted to quit. There's been times when you feel like you're giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving to people. And maybe you feel like people aren't noticing or maybe you feel like um, it's not really making a difference or it's not impacting anybody. But then I gotta remember, that's about the cause. God's given us a vision. We are gonna see this city come to know Jesus. And can I just be honest with you? You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of people giving up too early. I can't tell you how many times since in the two years, we'll celebrate our two-year anniversary next week. We're going to party, so invite everybody you know. 
can't tell you within the span of those two years how many times I've wanted to quit. And my wife is right here, and there's been Mondays where she's having to pick me up off the floor. And it's just the truth. But I often wonder, what would we miss out on if we quit too early? Because could it be that when you go through trials and when you face rough times, could it be that it's only God's grace getting you ready for the season that's about to come? He's trying to build character on the inside, that he's trying to prepare your heart. And the truth is, you probably could have never stepped into the next season if he wouldn't have brought you through that adversity or brought you through that storm. See, if you feel purposeless, it's because you don't have a cause bigger than yourself. If you feel like you've lost vision for your life, it's because your vision is too small. You feel like, man, I don't know where I'm headed right now. It's because you have not attached yourself to a cause. Proverbs 29, 18 says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. See, when you can't see what God is doing, you're fumbling all over yourself trying to make something happen. When you attach yourself to what God is doing, it, all of a sudden it's like things become crystal clear. Think about this. You only quit when you feel like you can't see the way forward. The only time you ever quit anything in your life is when you feel like you can't see the way forward. But see, if you attach yourself to a God who is much bigger than you, you may not be able to see the way forward, but he does. And you trust in that. Man, maybe you don't have all the variables worked out. Maybe you don't know how it's going to happen. But listen, you serve a God that does. You serve a God that does see the way forward. He does see a way for you out. He does see a path. He does have a clear vision and purpose and plan for your life. And I often ask myself, especially in the, within this past week, I wonder how many great moves of God never happen because somebody quit a day early. I wonder how many breakthroughs many of us have missed out on because we gave up a day early. And we're praying, we're seeking God, we're doing everything that we know, and we go, you know what, God just, he's not speaking to me. I'm, just, I'm not doing this whole pray thing. I'm not doing this whole life group thing or this next step. Thing. I'm not doing it. Because I tried it and it didn't work. But what if you quit a day early? See, that's one of the things that kind of drives me and it drove my wife crazy when we were in London because um, I have this thing. I always want to see what's on the other corner <laughs> when I'm walking down a place. And she's like hungry. My wife is, my, my, my wife gets hangry, you know what I mean? Angry, hungry, just merge mur those two words. So when she's hungry, it's like, you better pull over and find a place to eat right now. But see, I have this problem when that happens because I'm always like, well, I'm sure there'll be a restaurant on the other corner. <laughs> Let's keep walking, and I see, like, another building. I'm like, I know, okay, let's, let's just keep walking down to the other corner. And I just want to keep seeing and keep testing and keep going and keep pushing. Because you never know what you're going to run into. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what gym of a restaurant you might find, right? I wonder if we took that same approach in our relationship with Jesus. See, because a relationship with Jesus is the most exciting thing that we could ever encounter. And if we keep pushing and we keep moving and we keep carving trails and we have this I'm not going to quit kind of attitude, 
What will we see? What will God bring us to? What will be the things that we're able to be a part of because we didn't give up and we didn't quit? I mean, how many times have we been on like the verge of a breakthrough and maybe we've quit and we've never experienced the peace and the joy that God had waiting for us just right there? I mean, you imagine, I mean, most of you know the story, but with, with Edison, how many light bulbs did he create before he actually got one that worked? It was like thousands. Imagine if you would have quit too early. Number three, a pioneer is driven by a cause greater than himself. A pioneer is driven by a cause greater than himself. This is what I loved about the early pioneers, especially in America. They didn't know what they were going to build. They were just like, we have a vision and we're going for it. We have a cause. We're going to go settle our own city. We're going to go create our own town. We're going to build these buildings, and we're going to build economies, and we're going to do all this kind of stuff. I guarantee you when they're walking down these trails in a horse and buggy, they lost sight of the vision a few times. <laughs> Man, I'm just sitting by a campfire burning wood again. <laughs> Still on the trail, we haven't reached our destination, and then maybe you get to the destination, and the ground isn't as fertile as you thought it was going to be, and then you can't plant crops, and it's harder to build buildings, and it's harder to do all these things, but I wonder if they would have given up. They kept pushing, they kept moving, they kept going on, because they were pioneers. They said, so we're going to create something new, different. Ephesians 3.20 says it this way. I love this version. This is the message. It says, what do you dream about? What has God enabled you to see that does not yet exist? You will never outdream God. Listen, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Listen, stop putting limitations on God. Stop putting limitations on God. The, the, the potential of this church is unlimited because of, the truth is we serve an extremely big God. So we've got to get to a place where we pray big, we think big, we dream big. We get out of this small mindset of this is just who we're going to be, or this is just who I am, I'll never be able to move past this. See, God's not just calling us to dream about creating new things. He wants us to start to carve out the trail. I genuinely believe as, as a church, we're pioneers. I genuinely believe that God's called us to do something incredible here in this city. And the only way that it's ever going to happen is if people in this church begin to realize, one, this is not Pastor Zach's church. It's not. This is your church. And we all have a responsibility together to see people far from Christ come to know him. Like that's the end goal, right? That people would come to know Jesus. So here's the question. What are we pioneering? Why, why, why pioneers? What are we pioneering? The truth is we're pioneering a church that will one day reach all of the kingdom. <laughs> 
And if that's going to happen, we've got to think a whole lot bigger than we're thinking right now, don't we? We're pioneering a church that is willing to extend grace to anyone that would receive it. It's one of the things that I've loved about this church from day one. Man, you don't have to dress a certain way to come here. This is the, this is the second time since we started this church I wore a jacket. So chances are it'll probably be two years before I wear another one. Um, but the truth is we want to be a church, what? We say it all the time, that anyone and everyone can come to. <clears throat> and maybe you're sitting in here today and you say, hey, listen, that's great. I love the whole pioneer speech, but um, the truth is I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. I don't, I don't know Jesus enough. I haven't read my Bible enough. Um, I don't know enough about scripture. I don't know about, enough about the church. Heck, I, could, I didn't even know what that whole communion thing was about. Where was the stinking wafer on that thing? Right? In Acts chapter 8, something incredible happens. There really is a pioneering spirit that begins to take place in Acts chapter 8. You can go read the story if you want to later on. But the first three people that get saved in Acts chapter 8, listen, listen to these people. These are the first three converts. One was a wizard named Simon. He was a magician. Okay, he believed in some, he was like, he was ultimately like a, a male witch. The dude believed in some weird stuff. First convert. Second one is an Ethiopian eunuch. If you don't know what a eunuch is, just Google it, okay? <laughs> the third is a religious terrorist, Paul. So you get a guy who's a wizard. The second conversion is the guy who's an Ethiopian eunuch. And the third conversion is Paul, who is literally terrorizing the church. Now, I'm pretty sure that there's not a terrorist in here. I'm pretty sure there's not a eunuch. And I'm pretty sure there's not a wizard in here. And we look at the landscape of the people that God begins to start setting free and propels them into mission. Because right after they get saved, all of them, all three of these guys begin to spread out. Begin to tell the gospel. In, 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 within the Acts chapter 8, you see it, and it happens immediately. They hear the gospel, they go. All I need to know is that Jesus is good and he can save you. If you want to know him, we can pray right now and let's go. That's all I need to know. And that's literally what happened. So God took three unlikely characters, and this is what I love about the Bible. He consistently and constantly uses people that don't have it all together. They don't know it all. Peter slips up a few times. He says things that he regrets. There's all these different instances in Scripture where God just uses these people that you would never expect. I, I literally can't think of, I think there is a few places, but there's not a lot. There's not many, many times in Scripture when God comes down and he wants to start something and he wants to create a move of God. He never reaches down and grabs a pastor. He doesn't. He, he just grabs, what does he do? He grabs like a fisherman. So in equivalent, it'd be like God dropping down in Louisiana and going down to like Delcom. You. <laughs> Tell people about Jesus. Like it doesn't make sense, right? That's what I love about the gospel. It doesn't make sense. Because God begins to take the most unlikely characters and he begins to give them a cause greater than themselves, and they begin to pioneer the news about the gospel all over the world. God never had any qualifications that you had to know. He 
didn't have to have pieces of the Bible memorized. Here's what you had to do. You just had to be obedient to what God was calling you to do. That was it. And attach yourself to a cause that was greater than yourself. Which is the message of the gospel. That God came down to earth. And he didn't have to, in the form of a baby, to set humanity and turn their turn humanity's eyes back to a savior. That's what I love about the gospel, that God reached down when I was in the clutches of sin. When I was at my worst, and God said, today I choose you, and I want you to make a difference. Listen, we can be a church that really does affect this city. And the only ingredient that it's going to take is you attaching yourself to a cause that's bigger than yourself. And listen, when you do that personally, your personal spiritual growth is going to change. Your marriage is going to change. Your family life is going to change. Your outlook on everything is going to change. Because now you're attached to a cause that's bigger than you. Now your cause is not just wake up, make sure I put money in the checking account, and then let's do it all over again. Your cause is, man, we've got a city that needs to know Jesus, and I have a part to play in that. Listen, you might have issues, but I, I want to strive to make this a place where it's safe to struggle. This is a place where it's safe to struggle. I sat down with a guy this week, and I go and I see this guy. He, um, he cuts my hair every probably two weeks or so. And the only reason I go there is literally, um, literally just to talk to him about Jesus. And one, he's, he's really good at what he does. And I just go back in there and I keep talking and I keep talking and I keep presenting the gospel to him and he asks questions and he struggles with things and I tell him about my struggles. And, and the thing that we keep going back and forth, but I consistently keep going there because I'm absolutely confident that one day he's gonna come to know Jesus. One day he's going to experience the good news of the gospel. And listen, God is going to put you in different situations this week. And I want to just encourage you, don't shrink away. Don't shy away. God gives us those opportunities. So I want to ask one question. I want to charge you with something, and then I'll let you go. So the question is this. Where do we go from here? So where do we go from here? Now that you're saying, okay, listen, I want to jump on the bandwagon. I want to be a pioneer. I want to be a part of something great. I want to be a part of a cause that's bigger than myself. I want to do something. So now the question then results like, well, what do we do, right? First thing, it has to start here. I'm going to call you to do five things. Number one, whatever your personal time with the Lord looks like, increase it. If you want to be a pioneer, you have to be rock solid in your relationship with Jesus. And increasing in that may simply, I'm not saying read more scripture or just pray a lot more. What I'm saying is this, whatever it takes to get closer to Jesus, do that. And some of you, you know exactly what you need to do. The second thing, if you're not in a life group, get in one. Get in one. Because listen, when you start pioneering something, you're always going to have opportunities of adversity. And, and the number one thing that is going to pull you out of that, one is a relationship with Jesus and community with other people. Number three, 
And if you haven't gone through the next step, today, show up at Brewbank right after service. If you've never been through next step, and here's what we do next step. We talk about our vision. We talk about our values. We talk about your purpose, you discovering that. Listen, I don't care if you've been coming to the church for maybe since day one. I want to just challenge you and encourage you to join us at next step, right? <clears throat> so as soon as this service is over, you can grab yourself and your kids and you bring them over to Broombake. We'll have child care over at Broombake there for you. And we'll have lunch for you and your kids. We try to eliminate 